this week we are looking at cast iron and aluminum. Now that may sound a little strange, but in my message to the church, we had uh, a pedestal with a cast iron pan and a pedestal with a aluminum pan, and and we talked about the differences between those two and and how one is made to last forever and the other one is not. And then we looked at the priesthood and the old priesthood versus the new priesthood that Christ brings. And, and we looked at the two to discover if either one of them was made to last forever. And, and if so, which one? And so this is what we look at today. And I seriously hope that you enjoy this. God can call a stubborn, loud mouth, speech impediment child to do something. Uh, he certainly can call any of us. Um, some of you were looking at what I was setting up here. Uh, I don't know, I thought we needed some more decorations. You don't think this fits? Uh, <laughs> Built to last. Lifetime warranty. Made for generations. I love these terms. There's something about having a tool, having some equipment that you use and you know that as long as you treat it right, it's going to last well beyond yourself. So that then you can take and hand it on to your children, and you know that they can hand it on to their children. I love those things. That's why I choose to do certain things, like have a straight razor instead of the disposable shavers. Because I can teach my son how to shave with it, and I can pass him down to him. All they need is a quick sharpen, and there you go. You can use it again for years. I also, many of you know, grind flour by hand with a little hand crank grinder made by this couple in Montana and it comes with a generational warranty. Quite literally, as long as this grinder stays in my family, if anything ever breaks, falls apart, wears out, they will replace it free of charge because they believe that that was made for generations. And I love that. It's so special. And, of course, then we have this. I I love cast iron much more than what my wife wished I did. Um, But I love it because when you pick up a piece of cast iron, you say, oh, this is going to last. This particular pan I picked up at an antique show, and it's made by a company called Wagner. Some of you might have heard of it. And depending on when it was actually made, this pan is anywhere between 70 and 100 years old. This pan, I don't know if you can quite see that. Can you see that? And then you can see the face of it. And this pan was not made to last. And it's quite evident as soon as you pick it up. So, 
you have some things that are, are truly special and you know are going to work and do exactly what you need, and then you have some that are, well, why did I spend the money on this? As we continue our study in Hebrews, I want us to look at the two different priesthoods that we continue to talk about. The old priesthood that was through Aaron and his kin, and the new priesthood that is brought by Christ. And, and I want us to think about something. One, was the old priesthood designed in such a way to be disposable, to be worn out, to do something for a while, but then eh, it can go away? And if it was, if it was meant to be like that, then how do we know whether or not the priesthood we belong to in Christ is meant to be everlasting, or if we too are going to wear out? And so that's the question that I want to pose for us today and to ponder, because people are looking at us, and, and people are looking at all sorts of things this, in this world, all the religions, all the, the fads, all the things that claim, if you only do this, you will get. Is it true or false? Which one is it? And so this is what we're going to look at today. And as you turn to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23 through 28, I'll remind you, if those of you who have not read those verses leading up to this, uh, we have the author going through the beginning part of chapter 7 more in depth about the priesthood of Melchizedek. You remember that gentleman I mentioned last week, the, the gentleman that Abraham met, and he tells the story yet again about how he meets this man. They have no clue of who he is, where he came from, but Abraham gives him an offering. And the author then builds this long idea about how Aaron, who is Abraham's offspring, has in a way, given an offering to this priest, thus making this priest higher than Aaron and his priesthood. And then the author goes on further to say, and just as Melchizedek was, there is now also a priest that we have. His name is Christ. And he functions the same way. So, we now look at the closing thoughts about these two priesthoods. If you can, I ask that you please stand for the reading of God's word today in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23 through 28. It says, furthermore, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able for all time to save those who approach God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it is, for, it is fitting that we should have such a high priest as uh, a, such, a, such a high priest, holy, blameless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he has no need to offer sacrifices day after day first for his own sins and then for those of the people. This he did once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests those who are subject to weakness. But the word of the oath 
which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. You may have a seat. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we get into your word today and as you speak to us through your Holy Spirit, that you may shed light upon this idea of Jesus being our everlasting priest and help us to understand the concepts of lasting forever and what that means for our lives and what that means for the lives of the people out there. Speak to us today, Father. It's in your name we pray. When we discuss things that last forever, the one thing that I think of is, is that there's really two factors that determine whether or not it is built to last. The one is durability. Is something truly durable? Again, this is durable. They iron. I mean, seriously, they build buildings with iron or at least they used to. I'm sure they use some sort of alloy with new technology today. But, but listen to that. That sounds like it's going to do something. I could probably pound a nail into this wall and not leave a scratch on it. I could drop it and it'd be okay. It, it doesn't scratch. It is going to last. I can throw it in a fire and it's not going to warp. It's durable. You can tell it is on like this. This is aluminum. I could probably bend it if I really tried hard enough. Uh, the handle, you can see in here that it's, it's kind of wobbly because there's a screw that's holding it in. And we all know that screws eventually wear out and, and the threads get loose. The, the, the Teflon non-skid coating that's supposed to be all tough as nails is all flaking off, which is apparently a really good for you to ingest. Uh, <laughs> And eventually, if I applied enough heat to this, I'm sure it'd probably bend completely in half. That's not durable. It's not going to last you, and, and if you do something more wrong to it, it's probably just going to fall right apart. Well, we look at our text, and quite frankly, there's some glaring things that we can see about the priesthood uh, that tells us whether or not it was really built durable. Verse 27 says, unlike the other high priests, he has no need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. The old priesthood, they had to offer sins day after day for themselves as well as for others. Why? Because the sacrifices that they offered were not able to withstand the true consequences of sin. They were not able to actually go and complete the problems. This, you could cook something on it, but is it going to turn out very well? Yeah, maybe. You might get a good pancake out of here, but the next one might not be. And, and so you have this problem, the priests could not deal with the sin issue, not in, in its entirety. Furthermore, if they sinned, 
leading up to the sacrifice, somehow they touched an unclean body or, or something happened, they had to wait to be cleansed before the people could be cleansed, which created a whole dynamic of issues. It just kept breaking down. Have any of you ever had a car that was like that? No matter what you did, it just kept breaking down. Every time you fix something, it would break again. My sister had a car that ate alternators. Just ate them. We replaced like three of them in the car before my dad said, No more! I'm done! It wasn't built to last. Yet, we know about Christ. He is perfect. He is as... Verse 26 says, holy, blameless, undefiled. Because of his perfection, because of his unique status, he was able to resolve the sin issue completely, to deal with it with the power that was necessary to make it permanent. And so it lasts. Now, sometimes we get confused and instead of looking at Jesus as this nice, durable pan who can take a beating, we like to think of Jesus like this pan. And when people begin to say about how, well, Jesus isn't real, oh, the, the Bible, it's filled with a whole bunch of errors, God doesn't really love people. All of a sudden, we start thinking, oh no, my pan is going to get scratched. It's going to get dented. It's going to get warped. I have to protect it. Well, yeah, if, if this is truly what we cling on to, yeah, I would hope you could protect it. You probably still can't. But Jesus is perfect. Jesus is holy. Jesus is much more powerful than we are. Jesus is able to take a beating. He's taken many of them, and he still does. He doesn't need us to defend him because he can outlast. When we think about how we speak about Jesus and what he does, we are speaking directly about his work, and his work is the new priesthood. And if we speak about it in such a fragile way that cannot last, we paint this picture of something that, that somehow needs our help. Instead, we should try to learn to speak about Jesus and what he does in a, in a more durable way. And one way that you can help that and I challenge you to do this throughout the week, even if you are not a writer, go to Meyer or Walmart, wherever you love to go. They usually have those little composition booklets, just tiny, fits right into a pocket. Get a composition booklet. And when God does something truly miraculous, when he does something that proves how strong he is, write it down. Write down that story. So you don't forget it, because we know how good we are at remembering stuff. I, I, I'm terrible. And so write it down. And then share it with people. When people start saying, oh, well, God just isn't real. God doesn't love people. Just a second. March 23rd. 
God did this. And you tell them the story, and all suddenly you are doing much more of speaking about how strong God is than if you try to say, well, no, actually the carbon dating records prove this, and, and with the, scientists have actually done studies on, on the matter in, found in space, and it actually starts to begin to prove something else. That doesn't do anything when you start trying to defend God and you start trying to, trying to use evidences that are really subjective, because how often does scientific fact change? over time as we learn more and discover more and develop better processes to understand. But you know what you can't argue? On this date, God did this, and it changed my life forever. And that will speak to people in ways that will actually begin to do something. The second factor that determines how long something lasts is reliability. Again, this isn't very reliable. If you know anything about aluminum, you know that it has hot spots. It, you know that it uh, can't stand a lot of heat in general. That's why this is half warped, because it was mainly cooked on a gas stove. If it was on an electric stove, it probably would have been okay, but a gas stove, that, because the heat is so intense on it, it warps it all. It, it's not really reliable, especially because all that Teflon is all scratched up. It's going to go in the trash. Did I tell you that this was at least 70 years old? This still cooks better than most of the other pans that I have in my kitchen. And I didn't skimp on the kind of pans that I bought because I love cooking. <laughs> and it still cooks better. It's reliable. You can trust it. I know I put this on the stove. I turn the heat on. No matter what temperature I want, I put it on. I throw a little bit of butter, a little bit of oil in there. And I can cook whatever in here. And it's going to come out beautiful, golden brown, delicious, and, and scrumptious. Every time. All the time. Throw it in the oven, take it camping, it doesn't matter. It's going to perform regardless of the situation. The priesthoods. Let's look at the reliability of those priesthoods. <laughs> there was a supply and demand issue. We read about this at the very beginning. Furthermore, the former priests were many in numbers. They constantly needed more and more priests to fill the roles. Why? Because they were expanding all over the world? Mm, not exactly. Because they were dying. The priests were dying. Someone would get so old and they would die. They would go off to war and an arrow would hit him and he would die. And so all of a sudden you have this issue of the priests not lasting forever. And the issue that that brings is if you have a really good priest who's doing the good things of God, but he's still going to die, what's going to happen when he does die? How reliable is he going to be? His replacements, how good are they going to be? We see this play out in Scripture because we have Eli. Back in the first book of Samuel, you have the, the uh, priest Eli who is okay for the most part. He does a decent job. He's not perfect, but he is doing 
a good job, and people see him as being reliable. His sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they weren't so good. They were sleeping with women in the temples. They were taking parts of the sacrifice that was not belonging to them. And the people were looking at his sons, saying, look, we know you're getting old. We can see this. Your sons are just horrendous. There's no reliability. We, what's going to happen when you actually do die? And so here we have this issue. Priests of the old died. And you never knew who was going to take on the next generation. And we've even seen that play out in our own history. You have one good president followed by a bad one. You have one good governor followed by a bad one. You have a, a, a good boss that then leaves for a better job, and then it's followed by a boss that's just horrendous. There's no reliability in this. What's going to happen after these circumstances change? But again, what do we know of Christ? He lives. He lives forever. He is alive. Nothing, no smiles, no woohoos, no amens, nothing. Come on, he's alive. There we go. Wow. That's good news. Because that means he's reliable. Because even death could not hold him. He submitted himself to death. He said, look, I am here with all the sins of the people in the world, both past, present, and future. I am here. Death, take me. Death took him and then said, holy cow, I can't handle him. And he is raised to life. He cannot die. And what that means is he is the most reliable person we can count on. Everything he does will continue on for eternity. That means that no matter the circumstances, no matter the issues, no matter the people, no matter what happens, we have a priest who is everlasting. Regardless of what happens, we don't have to say, well, what happens after Jesus? Who's going to take his spot? What's going to happen if someone else takes over for him and they're not as good as him? We don't have to worry about that. It's a non-issue for us. And that is good. Think of how many people need to hear that message. People who are questioning whether or not God is there. People who are questioning whether or not God still cares for them because of this hardship or that tragedy in their lives. They need to know that they have a reliable God. And that starts with us in a very strange way, because when we encounter someone and we say, hey, how are you doing? Well, I'm just not sure. I, I've, I feel like I'm losing my faith because I just... I pray, and I don't hear God. I look around, and I don't understand what he's doing. I just don't know if he's there anymore. And you say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to hold you up, and I'm going to make sure that you know that I'm caring for you, and that God reveals himself to you. And then we need to be reliable. I expect everyone throughout this week to come 
across someone that needs prayer. Shouldn't be too hard. There's many times people need prayer. So find someone and tell them, I'm praying for you. And then, to show that you're reliable, the next time you see them, the next time you have a chance to talk to them, tell them, hey, I've been praying for you. Don't make it the same habit that we say, oh, how are you doing? Good, good, okay. Hey, I'm praying for you. Oh, yeah, uh, man, I thought there was something I was supposed to be doing for that person. What was it? Oh, oh well, if you tell someone you're going to pray for them, do it. And then let them know, because us being reliable is going to help them understand that Jesus is also reliable, that he is there, because we serve as ambassadors of Christ to people. We help make the intangible tangible for others, because we live out the faith that no one can see. So, if we belong to a priesthood not like this, unreliable, not durable, if we don't belong to that, but instead we belong to a priesthood like this, I'm going to ask you a question that I've been rolling around in my head since Monday. What does that mean? What does that mean for us? Which one gives you more confidence in life? Which one would you stake your life on? This one, right, maybe? I mean, some of you might say it's a little too heavy, but... Uh, Use two hands. I mean, get, get build, build those muscles. You know, every, every morning you can work out while you cook. I mean, but seriously, which one gives you more confidence? And I think as we look at the priesthood, that's what it means the most to us and how we live our lives, is that as long as we view the priesthood like that cast iron pan, durable, strong, reliable, we can live a life of confidence in what we say and what we do. Unlike if we view the priesthood like this pan. We might not talk about Jesus all the time. We might not pull this out and be like, hey, look at this! Because we say, wow, it's ugly. And it doesn't work so well. If we truly belong to this priesthood, we have the confidence of what it brings to our lives, it should draw us to then display it, to use it, to make use of it in our lives in such a way that people can tell a difference. Do you proclaim Christ, his actions in your life? Do you, do you tell people about what he truly is doing, how he changes, how he helps you grow and become someone better and new? Or are you shy and bashful and say, ah, I don't know if they'll like it. I don't have the confidence in my faith in Christ because ah, 
What if they reject it? The most beautiful thing about us coming to Christ is that we get to be changed like this. Because Christ is everlasting, we share in his inheritance. Though we are mortal now, we know, we have faith and believe that we will not stay mortals forever. Yes, we will eventually die, but that is not the end. We believe in a resurrection. We believe that we will be raised to Christ, raised as Christ was, and made like him. So we get to live in that hope and that confidence. We get to know that he is transforming us from this to this. And what an amazing thing that is. And what an amazing story to tell other people, because other people are walking around life like this. They're walking around life not sure. There's so many inconsistencies in this world. There's so many problems and hardships that people don't know what to do. And they need something that is strong, reliable, consistent. And God is shaping us to be like that so that we can then demonstrate that to others so they too can see and be changed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, shape us today. Renew us to not be like this weak, flimsy, warped, chipped pan that is unreliable, that's not made to last. But because your son is an everlasting priest, the priesthood he brings lasts into eternity, and because we get to share in that, shape us and change us to be stronger, more durable, more reliable. Not for ourselves, because Christ did not do it for himself, but may we do it for the sake of others. May we walk in boldness in confidence to proclaim who you are, our faith in you, so that others might hear and be changed. Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, in whom all things are possible, have mercy on us and heal us, that sustained by the power of your word and by the constant intercession of our Lord and Savior, we may draw near to you, and follow in your way as faithful disciples. Amen. And I'll send you into your community to make Christ-like disciples. Go! God bless.